Welcome to the never-ending quest for clarity. This is Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. Well, hey there. Welcome to Loving Liberty. Thank you so much for joining us. Wow, what a weekend. I think uh, somewhere someone has has made the mistake, and maybe it was even me who uh, just uttered the words aloud. You know, could this year get any crazier? Clearly, the universe has a sense of humor and was listening and said to someone or something, here, hold my beer. (laughs) Let me show you how much crazier 2020 can get. Okay, where to begin? Had a lot of fun this weekend. And I don't mean in the sense that I was out burning cop cars or anything like that. Just uh, actually went and attended the uh, Utah Business Revival uh, Business Market and Picnic, which it ended up being in Stansbury Park, just over by Tooele. And I got to tell you, it was uh, it was actually a very good experience. Uh, it was it was completely peaceful, which was kind of a nice break from other things that were going on throughout my home state of Utah, just about 30 miles away. Big black clouds of smoke rising up from downtown Salt Lake City. Thousands of protesters fighting police in the streets, uh, just craziness. But as far as the, uh, you know, the get together that had been planned by the Utah Business Revival, you know, I got to tell you this, and and I'm sorry if if this sounds like I'm being petty. It's because of of my perception of of pettiness on the part of local officials, particularly the some of the the county commissioners in Tooele County. We had this uh, this wonderful concert with Colin Ray, country music superstar. I didn't realize how many number 1 hits this guy had until uh, we were they they were playing the uh, music. They were playing a CD of his number 1 hits at the picnic that we had Saturday evening and I recognized just about every single song. I'm not a big country music fan, but I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is a great song." So, this was a big deal. That he flew out to Utah, that he was prepared to do this concert. It was a free concert, or would have been, but uh, some some officials, and some elected, most not, somehow had a sense that their feathers were ruffled because, uh, well, you didn't get the proper permission slips. And yet it was it was told when 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 the organizers of the event, when Utah Business Revival and the property owners, the Mannings, who had the uh, amphitheater in which the concert was to be held, when they approached... Tooele County, they were told, oh, the state will never allow us to, to have a permit because it's going to be a gathering. They knew there would be several thousand people that would show up. Now, even though it's outdoors, right, so supposedly going to be a little bit safer, um, they just didn't feel like they, they could get the permit from the, the state health department. Okay, now that's a story for another time. <clears throat> How does the state health department claim this much uh, power to, yay or nay, you shall not gather, you know, I understand. COVID-19 has been a big deal, but gee, have you noticed how quickly it kind of dropped from being a concern? How quickly masks for the sake of stopping the spread of COVID and and social distancing suddenly went out the window? Huh. I guess burning cop cars will actually, you know, shift the conversation. Not necessarily in a good way either. Well, nonetheless, county officials, particularly one of the county commissioners in Tooele County, just could not get past the idea that uh, that this event had been uh, put together, organized, and that regardless of whether there was a permission slip or not, they wanted it to take place. Well, apparently a hearing was held on Friday. Eric Mutsos did a wonderful uh, Facebook Live video report on that hearing and said it was one of the saddest and, and most uh, disgusting things that he had seen 
in terms of the fear-mongering that was being used by the county, by their county attorney, by their health experts. Well, you know, this is this is an, this poses an irreparable uh, harm that could be done to the people of Tooele County. And that's why we have to say we, we need an injunction from a judge. And bottom line is this. They got an injunction from a judge, or at least an order from the judge. This concert cannot take place. But then the county leaned on the family who owns the amphitheater. And I don't know specifically how they were threatened. I just know that uh, the Manning family said, there's really nothing we can do at this point. We cannot hold this event. Which I I understand to be their livelihood was threatened. And look, when, through licensure and through through various official means of coercing people, I have no doubt there was a lot of pressure brought to bear on them. And so with uh, less than 24 hours to go, you know, Colin Ray flew home. And the Utah Business Revival was left with the, the, the question of what are we going to do? How do we go ahead and, uh, and, and still have an event? And so they, they looked at a couple of different locations. They finally found one. We ended up at the Benson Grist Mill in Stansbury Park, which, by the way, is a very cool place. Now, here's the downside. It's operated by Tooele County. And so uh, when, when we showed up at the Grist Mill, at the actual Grist Mill, you know, I don't want to use the word compound, but I can't think, you know, the, the, the basic uh, gathering of the buildings there. The first thing we were met with was a county worker with her mask on and saying, the county has closed this facility to any large gatherings and you all have to leave. And then she told us, well, another group has actually uh, had had uh, not rented, but had uh, reserved this this facility two weeks ago. And your organizers didn't even tell us that they were going to be here. And and it was probably just a simple misunderstanding, but it was also a really good display of just some of the pettiness that you'll see from from people who are trying to flex. And it was clear she was not on the side of this event taking place. Now, fortunately, there was a huge grass field just immediately to the north of the Benson Grist Mill. And so someone asked, well, can we just set up on the grass over here? And and this employee's response, I'm calling her an employee because functionary, uh, while more accurate, seems a little more of a pejorative term. She says, well, you can if you want, but uh, the cops will probably come chase you away. <laughs> I mean, just wow, petty, so petty. So off we went to the grass area. People started setting up and I looked around and I thought, OK, so we're probably not going to get many people. The weather was not great. It was very last minute. The The final location had only been announced just a couple of hours before. And so, you know, it, it wasn't like, you know, we've had tons and tons of planning and all the logistics in place. It had to come together at the very last minute. And I sat there and I watched as the clouds started to roll in and I can see lightning in the distance. And I'm like, I don't know, man, this something about this just kind of feels doomed for today. And then as the event started and as, as people set up their booths and I noticed the food trucks start to arrive and more and more and more people showed up and somehow, miraculously, the storm that was coming at us, you know, we had a few little gusts of wind. Nobody's canopies blew away or anything, but uh, a little sprinkling of rain. We were, you know, all looking around. OK, where can I go if it really starts to pour? It never did. The storm suddenly just kind of abated. The sun came back out, the breeze continued, and it was just pleasant, and it was wonderful. And wow, did that park fill. I don't know how many people there were total. I had one friend with me who counted at least 700 people 
at the time that uh, that they started uh, playing some of the music. And it was just, you know, playing a Colin Ray CD. And then Eric Mutsos and a few other people got up and spoke. But uh, I bet you, I, I know for a fact, there was nearly a thousand people there by the time I left. And I believe that there, more people were continuing to arrive. That park was filled. Now, this should have been easily a 5,000 person event. And if it had been held at the, the amphitheater where it was scheduled, this would have been no problem. They had dozens of porta potties already delivered to the site. It was all ready to go. There was no restroom facilities where we were. So that was uh, that was interesting. If you had to go, I guess you had to go find a gas station down the street or something. But there was no interference from the authorities. One of the the, one, the the most vocal county commissioner who was wanting to put the kibosh on it actually showed up there. He was kind of incognito, but, uh, you know, he was walking around looking and probably muttering to himself, look at these people. They probably think they're having a good time, but uh, they were. And it really was. It was a, a, an excellent experience. And one of the people who was speaking. And I'm trying to remember who it was. Eric Mutzos had referenced this. Uh, I can't I can't remember who it was. Stood up and said, I think God is smiling on this park. And Eric related. I, he said, I felt that to my heart. This is what liberty is like. This is what responsible exercise of liberty is like. Yeah, there were some people who were wearing, you know, their COVID-19 mask. There were people who were, in, you know, observing the uh, social distancing and there were people who were just getting on with their lives and there were we were exchanging money and and goods and food and it, it was just a fun time and it felt the most normal thing that i have felt within the last 3 months that alone was enough to to partially restore my soul of course now the drive uh, back through salt lake kind of had me going oh boy <laughs> we are really in it now but it was a great event, and, and I have it on good authority that actually the concert will be taking place. In fact, it's most likely going to be here within the next couple of weeks. I believe Cedar City, my old stomping grounds, is likely to be uh, the location for this. I don't know the exact location, but I talked to one of the county commissioners from down there at this event Saturday night, and uh, he said that it appears that uh, most of the leaders there, including the mayor of Cedar City, are all on board for it. So hopefully... Our priorities have shifted a little bit and we have a little bit clearer understanding and, and there won't be this lockdown mentality where, well, we have to threaten with judges and police and you know, courts and, 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 you know, you have to have a permission slip. By the way, Tooele County had two big events, big softball tournament and a big motocross event, both of which drew thousands of people. But because some money had exchanged hands and a permission sh- slip had, had been issued, the virus knew enough not to show up at those events. <laughs> Go figure. Hey, welcome back. This is Loving Liberty. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to open up the phone lines in the next hour. I know we have a lot to talk about then. This hour, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what we saw over the weekend, which was not the best side of uh, of our civilization. 
Can we just start with something like that? It was crazy to see unrest erupt in so many cities all at once. And ostensibly, this this started because, well, you know, people are protesting because that police officer kneeled on the neck of that guy and, and he died. And, of course, this brought the Black Lives Matter movement out. And I, I don't mean to be critical of Black Lives Matter, but um, I, I think that there is a tunnel vision at work there. That presumes that, well, you know, it's only blacks that are being hunted and institutionally, you know, persecuted by the government. I think that uh, the, the broader view is there is a lot of power that is being used against the people. And come on, we've seen in the last few months how many people got themselves arrested, how many people, you know, for, for things like going to the gym, for things like giving a haircut for going to church, for walking down the beach, for paddleboarding in the ocean. Ridiculous enforcement. And, of course, backing that enforcement, if they resisted, you better believe that the organized violence of the state would be brought to bear against them until they submit. And we shook our heads and went, how on earth can this happen in a free country? Now, of course, there there are more egregious examples of uh, this organized violence being brought to bear against people in which uh, in which people's lives have been taken. Daniel Shaver, the guy begging for his life in the hallway of a hotel down in Arizona, shot to death by police as he's terrified and trying to, to follow their commands and play this lethal game of Simon Says. But the people who fixate on race... You know, nope, this is this is strictly, uh, you know, black lives are, are being taken and... I, I don't disagree with them. They are, but so are a lot of other people. Just, there is no ethnicity that is safe from the predations of the state. And this is not a blanket condemnation of police. There are good police officers out there. But the problem is we have a state, and I mean by government in general, at the local, the county, the state, and especially the federal level, that has so many laws that either allow or require its enforcers to intrude into our lives and and hook us up for the most petty offenses. And every single one of those offenses is backed by the threat of lethal force when they go to, to ticket you or arrest you. You add to this the... The concept of, well, officer safety and the idea that, you know, the police are, are always under siege... And I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you know, we have people seem to be reacting negatively to our law enforcers. Well, yeah, maybe because you're creating so many stupid laws and you're screwing with people in ways that don't even make sense. As opposed to focusing on actual crimes in which there is a victim, in which someone has suffered objectively provable harm to themselves or their property. You know, we, we have uh, these enforcers going out, and some take that enforcement mentality far, far too seriously. Plus, with qualified immunity, which kind of descends from the idea of the divine right of kings. If the king says this, the king can do anything. The idea that, look, we are the law. It's Judge Dredd syndrome. Now, again, not every police officer out there has this attitude. But for even a tiny minority of them to carry that attitude out there, it causes a huge problem for the public in general. You know it's bad when your friends who are police officers tell you, yeah, if I'm driving in another jurisdiction and I see a cop pull in behind me, I get nervous. You would think, they would think, oh, well, it's no problem. I just badge him. I, you know, 
I'm on my way, professional courtesy. Doesn't work that way. That that gotcha mentality coupled with unaccountable authority, by which I mean if the state is doing it, well, in good faith, we believe, you know, that uh, he was right to do what he was doing. That's where you end up with a guy kneeling on the neck of another man for, you know, eight minutes until the guy under his knee becomes unresponsive and then eventually dies. So I'm not suggesting that there isn't racial prejudice out there. There is, and there always has been. But to suggest that it is the crux of the problem, I have to disagree. And I know that's going to put me at odds with some people, but I disagree from the sense that what you're looking at is a symptom of a bigger problem. The bigger problem, the thing which should concern all of us because it affects all of us, is a state that is growing beyond the limits of its powers that recognizes no meaningful limits to what it can do to people in pursuit of anything that it calls official. And that enforcer mentality that is being trained into those who wear that uniform and go out there to enforce the various laws and rules and statutes, it has not made us more free. It has not made us more safe. So there is a reason for the pushback. And again, it's not because all cops are bad. It's because the state is growing beyond the control of the people it's supposed to be serving. And unfortunately, it is using its enforcers as a kind of paid muscle to protect itself and its interests at the expense of the people. The best proof of this that I can tell you is the guys who are out there handing out tickets and arresting people for leaving their homes or going to work or, you know, working out at the gym or whatever it may be, didn't miss a paycheck. Nor did the people who created the policies that uh, that they were enforcing. Why? Because they can continue to take money from the taxpayers. The taxpayers are being blood dry. The taxpayers are the ones who are shut down against their will. They can't even open their business. They can't even provide for themselves. But by gosh, the crown is going to take its share and make sure that its men are paid to go out there and enforce the will of the crown. I know it, it sounds a, a bit dramatic, but it is a real problem. And I have no problem with people standing up and, and, and protesting against that. But what happened on Saturday? Well, what you saw was you saw Antifa, the uh, purported anti-fascist activists, go out there and foment violence, which is what they do and do exceptionally well. So I'm going to share with you an article by, uh, by Andy No. This guy is uh, himself someone who probably leans more toward uh, the, the political left. But he also is someone who understands very, very well what Antifa is and, and what they are capable of. He was attacked last year, actually suffered a brain bleed because of the, the beating and the, the shellacking he took at the hands of a bunch of Antifa activists in Berkeley, California. I'll share this article, too, in the show notes. It's America's, I'm sorry, Antifa's anti Let's try this again. Antifa's American insurgency. The far left has perfected the art of rioting. And that's what you saw happen on Saturday. I'll share the the article here in a couple of moments. But you saw people who in good faith were stepping up to protest what they saw as unreasonable state violence or organized violence at the hands of the state being used against people. Now, primarily, their focus was on people of color. 
But again, I remind you, it affects all of us. This is not an issue that is strictly limited to one race. There are plenty of people of every shade and color who have found themselves victims of organized state violence. But the left has, uh, you know, they, they love an opportunity. They see a crowd. Hey, here's our opportunity, especially if there is the potential for violence. And when the state is challenged, when its authority is challenged, what does it do? Come on, we know it ramps up its projection of force and threat of violence. Out come the nightsticks, out come the shields, out come the gas masks, out come the crowd control techniques, the tear gas. Yeah, it's all about keeping people under control. It's a very volatile mix. And this on top of a pandemic and all the shutdowns and people feeling desperation and feeling unsettled and and maybe getting a little bit uh, crazy from the situation. All it needed was someone to strike a match and touch it to the powder keg. And that's exactly what Antifa did this last weekend. Not in just one location, not just in Minneapolis, but all over the country. We'll talk about it when we return here on Loving Liberty. Hey, once again, we are back. This is Loving Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. Thank you so much for being part of my audience today. Well, uh, as you know, it was a pretty uh, crazy weekend. Smoke rising over many cities, lots of fights, lots of businesses looted, lots of property destroyed, lives shattered. And for what? Let's get some answers. Let's talk about uh, Antifa's American insurgency. This is from Andy No, who has been writing about them and covering them for some time. And this was published on the Spectator or Spectator.us. And he says, we are witnessing glimmers of the full insurrection the far left has been working for or working toward for decades. The killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis was merely a pretext for radicals to push their ambitious insurgency. In a matter of hours after the video of Floyd began circulating the Internet, militant Antifa cells around the country mobilized to Minnesota to aid Black Lives Matter's rioters. Law enforcement, even the state National Guard, have struggled to respond in Minnesota. Portland, Oakland, Los Angeles, Dallas, and Atlanta are just some of the other cities waking up and finding smoldering ruins where businesses once operated. Nearly 30 other cities experienced some form of mass protest or violent rioting. At least three people have been killed so far. Now, Andy says Antifa, the extreme anarchist communist movement, has rioting down to an art. The first broken window is the blood in the water for looters to move in. When the looting is finished, those carrying flammable chemicals start fires to finish the job. Footage recorded in Minneapolis and other cities show militants dressed in black block, that's the Antifa uniform, wielding weapons like hammers or sticks to smash windows. And you see their graffiti dubbed, up, dubbed, uh, dubbed on smashed up buildings. FTP means, well, F the police, ACAB stands for All Cops Are Bastards. 1312 is the numerical code for ACAB. Well, he says, last night, rioters reached the gates of the White House, possibly the most secure location on Earth. There they chipped away at the barriers piece by piece while law enforcement struggled to respond. One Secret Service officer reportedly had a brick thrown at his head. Footage recorded at the scene showed him blood-soaked. 
Police were eventually able to repel masked rioters by using pepper spray and tear gas. And he says that worked for now. The militants uprising across the country want a revolution, and they don't care who or what has to be destroyed in the process. If their comrades die, they're elevated as martyrs in propaganda. Death is celebrated. At its core, Andy No writes, BLM is a revolutionary Marxist ideology. Alicia Garza, Opal Tometi, and Patrice Coulors, BLM's founders, are self-identified Marxists who make no secret of their worship of communist terrorists and fugitives like Asada Shakur. They want the abolishment of law enforcement and capitalism. They want regime change and the end of the rule of law. Antifa has partnered with Black Lives Matter, for now, to help accelerate the breakdown of society. And he says the U.S. is getting a small preview of the anarchy Antifa has been agitating, training, and preparing for. Ending law enforcement is a precondition for Antifa and BLM's success in monopolizing violence. Those who are harmed first are the weak and vulnerable, people who cannot protect themselves. Small business owners in Minnesota pleaded for mercy, even putting up signs and messages in support of the rioters, but to no avail. The destruction of businesses we're witnessing across the U.S. is not mere opportunism by looters, he says. It plays a critical role in Antifa and BLM ideology. Their stated goal is to abolish capitalism. To do that, they have to make economic recovery impossible. Antifa sees a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to exploit an economically weakened America during the coronavirus pandemic. One of the most popular Antifa blogs in North America tweeted, it's, uh, that's, it's Going Down is the name of the blog. They tweeted on Friday, 10 years from now, people won't look back and ask, why did it explode in 2020? Massive unemployment while the rich rake in billions from tax cuts and bailouts? The earth on the brink of collapse, plus police murdering people daily? Instead, they'll ask, why didn't it happen sooner? Andy No says, Antifa are taking actions considered extreme even among their own ranks. On Thursday night in Portland, rioters surrounded a vehicle filled with passengers and shot at it, hitting one person inside. The driver was able to escape, but the injured passenger had to go to the hospital for treatment. In Oakland, two federal police officers guarding a government building were shot in an ambush drive-by. One was killed and the other has critical injuries. The following day in Seattle, masked Antifa militants stole a rifle from a police vehicle before setting it ablaze. By the way, just as a quick aside... There is video footage out there of that rifle being retrieved from this uh, this group of Antifa militants. I don't know who the guy was who charged in there and took it away from them. But he was a man among men, not a police officer either. I believe he was a private security guard. You know, I mean, probably somebody I'm going to use the word Blackwater. Uh, most likely somebody who had had some training and has, has been in a uh, two way shooting range at some point. Because I'm telling you, speed, surprise, and violence of action. He didn't shoot the kid who was holding the rifle, but he just bored right in on him with his pistol right in the kid's face, snatched that rifle out of his hands. And I don't know what he was saying, but even as, as the kid's friends, his fellow Antifa members were leading him away, his hand stayed in the air. Probably needed a change of pants when it was all done. And it was an amazing thing to see. And then the guy clears the rifle and the video stops and... It was uh, it was masterful. Back to the article. Andy knows his media politicians, the public, all of us have underestimated the training and capability of left wing extremists who are united in purpose. 
all parts of the rioting serve a purpose. Looting and fires destroy local economies. Riots can overwhelm the police and even the military. All of this leads to a destabilized state. And this is the part that stings. He says America is brave and beautiful. She is not invincible. Now, I'm not trying to give you a sense of hopelessness in any way. I just I think he has a very good take on this. And as much as we want to believe, well, you know, the authorities will get this under control. I would remind you, nearly 30 years ago in Los Angeles, well, I guess 28 years ago in Los Angeles, those riots following the Rodney King verdict, when the police officers who were accused of violating his civil rights were acquitted, that got out of control quickly. And even when the National Guard went in, it took days for them to restore control. If there is a lesson here, it is a lesson that I'm sure, you know, moms demand action and the uh, various gun control groups around the country really don't want you to know. But there are a whole lot of Americans right now who are understanding why it might not be a bad idea to own an AR-15 and know how to use it. Because when the chips are down, the police, it's not that they wouldn't like to be there to protect you, but they can't be. They may have other things like saving their own skins that are going to take priority. They have families to worry about too. Sad, but here's where we are. So how do you suppress the violence of Antifa? And and I know that this is the crazy thing. I see people who are defending them. You know, I've got a friend on Facebook who I, I know that she's an activist and she probably leans towards more, uh, you know, mundane, not mundane, but calmer causes she's not out there throwing molotov cocktails she's more about you know women's rights and and support for lgbt and and things like this and that's fine but she's defending antifa as well these are the people who stood up for me they're the ones who protected me from those evil white supremacists which by the way one of the narratives that's being floated right now is it's not really antifa or black lives matter that are doing these riots it's these are actually white supremacists that have somehow infiltrated the movements and started the riots I don't know, man. They, they, they've got some pretty good makeup artists, if, if that's the case. But if you've been watching Antifa for any length of time, you know they have been a problem. They have been a threat, and they are absolutely vicious and have no sense of humanity. I mean, the, the word monstrous is not too strong a word to use to describe their actions. Looking at them, I saw a video. I, I got to stay off Twitter because Twitter is, is, frankly, raising my blood pressure. I watched a group of Antifa activists, I don't know which city it was in, grab a homeless man's belongings and set them all on fire. You know, ostensibly, this is all about justice, right? This is a show. Let's show people, you know, that we want justice. Why would you take a homeless guy's possessions, you know, the mattress he sleeps on and and his clothes and everything else and go set him on fire? It's heartless. But that's that's, you know, they don't care. Their ideology is anti-human. Their violence is without restriction. So how do you suppress the violence of Antifa? Michael Rosef on LewRockwell.com talks about how there was some local violence in Buffalo, New York. And both the mayor and the Erie County supervisor said that outsiders were the ones who instigated violence. Mayor Brown said there are people who are here in this community who are not from this this community. Their intent is to create violence and mayhem. 
The uh, county supervisor said the vast majority of protesters were peaceful. We expected them to be peaceful, but we're also getting intelligence that there were individuals coming from outside this area who had nothing but violence on their mind. That would be Antifa. So how to deal with them? Do you have to become them in order to deal with them? That's one of the burning questions. We'll address it just the other side of these messages. Once again, welcome back to Loving Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. We'll open up the phone lines in the next hour. Right now, I'm sharing an article from Michael Rosef on LouRockwell.com. Is violence necessary to suppress the violence of Antifa? Okay, we saw a lot of that violence on display this weekend. And ostensibly, you know, the Antifa violence was just simply, well, it's a counterpoint to the state violence. It's a destructive cycle. And when one side gets more violent, you know, the other side ups the ante and it's 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 taking us in a very ugly and bloody direction. So in this post, Michael Rosef, this is a blog post on LewRockwell.com. He focuses on, on one thing, Antifa and its role in the recent riots. Now, he says this is preliminary and incomplete evidence one way or the other will be accumulating. But even before that. We already know that there is an organized group of vandals inside America that wants to destroy the republic and the country by means of violence. Because they've made their position known years before, and because they've acted violently before in places like Portland, it's a good bet that they are almost surely inciting and causing violent destruction throughout the country. This group is Antifa. They're violent anarchists and they should be destroyed, he says. It will be very surprising if we find that Antifa hasn't been exploiting the bad situations caused by government failures of many kinds, including the lockdown fiasco. One expects videos to be analyzed and other evidence to build that shows Antifa's participation. They may even take credit and boast about it. We'll see. Antifa's agenda has been evident for years, but the need for suppression was evident years ago. When and if evidence surfaces of other collections of people or individuals acting as vandals, then they too should be treated with whatever level of violence it takes to stop them and end their violent activities for good. Only violence and the threat of violence can suppress such unlawful violence as that of Antifa and violent rioters who have no knowledge of Antifa or participation in it. Self-defense is essential or else the thugs and or thuggery take over. But Rosef says Antifa needs to be singled out because of its past known activities and professed agenda to cause mayhem and destroy whatever it can. Now, he reminds us no government can exist without keeping order. This is its main purpose, according to Hobbes, and his analysis best describes the situation we face. Therefore, unless governments ramp up their own violence against instigators like Antifa, they will be failing in their fundamental mission. And these government failures will return us to a multitude in some version of the Hobbesian state of nature. No one knows what it would look like, but it would be very bad, as one can well imagine, until local peoples united and violently suppressed offenders against the peace. But this process would involve disruption of everyone's lives for an indeterminate period. It's far better to suppress the agitators through existing governments and do it now. 
The good people who are against such outrageous violent rioting are already demanding far more violent government action against the perpetrators, and they want it now. Just read the comments under any of the videos of the rioting. The reason why Antifa or like violent instigators and vandals could gain in strength and determination is that governments have so far failed to suppress them. He says Antifa is one piece of a situation in which responsibilities for crimes reach to various groups. Rioters are not off the hook because they never heard of Antifa or follow their lead on the street or the lead of someone else. Non-Antifa persons who riot and loot are responsible for their individual behavior. They're exercising their will. And if they go for immoral, unethical, or unlawful behavior, they are responsible. One cannot discount personal responsibility by referring to social forces, Antifa, lockdowns, anger, or the many government failures like police brutality, etc. Wow. And by the way, voices of warning have been around for a long time. I don't know if you're aware of this, but, uh, you know, Project Veritas for a long time was warning about this. In fact, let me play a little clip. This is from uh, some undercover video uh, from Project Veritas. I I remember seeing this several months ago, and this was talking to some of the Bernie organizers. Check this out. I'm an anarcho-communist. Pretty much anarcho-syndicalism. There's a lot of me's in the Bernie campaign. Bernie doesn't get the nomination. I'm going to walk into Bernie. I mean, we track truly radical people. I walk into that MSNBC studio, drag those motherfuckers up by their hair, and light them on fire in the streets. I'm ready to start tearing bricks up and start fighting. It's going to take militancy. I'm already on Twitter following numerous groups around the country that are ready to organize. Like Antifa, yellow vests, all that, but keeping that in the, the back burner for right now. I'll straight up get arms. I want to learn how to shoot and go train. I came in with someone who's uh, an anarchist. I'm an anarcho communist. I'm a fire. To the left, if you can possibly get. And this was someone who's more of a Marxist feminist. I'm a communist that believes in pretty much anarcho syndicalism. You are actually a man for the education. A lot of the stories were told in the United States about the gulag are exaggerated. Our prisons in the United States right now are far worse. We have more people in prison in this country right now. That's kind of what Bernie's like, whole f***ing like, hey, free education for everybody. Because we're going to have to teach you not to be a f***ing Nazi. What will happen when we send all the Republicans to the free education? <laughs> Greatest way to break a billionaire. Go out and break rocks and crawl over today. You're now a working class person. That's force them to build roads. We need a federal government and a labor movement that is working together to to strip power away from from capitalists and like Bernie Sanders and a cabinet of people make all the decisions for the climate. And if necessary, uh, just destroy property. And after we abolish landlords, we don't have to. Wow. I mean, these are these are Bernie field organizers. And right. You know, Bernie Sanders, he's out of the running. It's not like he's uh, it's not like he's out there doing anything at, at this time. But that's the mindset. That's the mentality behind some of these folks who uh, are out there leading these riots. And, and here's here's the good news. Bad news. The president has indicated he's ready to designate Antifa as a terrorist organization. Now, there's some question, okay, how can that be? Because most terrorist organizations have to be declared because they are a foreign organization. So I don't know, maybe they find foreign money, George Soros, if if his money is, is able to be traced to Antifa. On the one hand, I know there are people who are like, yes, they behave like terrorists. 
they 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 use that whole communist cell organizational theory which is is sadly very effective but i have some misgivings about the president you know designating them as domestic terrorists and then bringing the war on terror home i mean look are you okay with drone strikes taking place here on american soil keeping in mind that they are extrajudicial killings that take place at the word of someone within the national security apparatus. Yes, this person is declared an enemy of the state. We believe they are associated with this terrorist group. Okay, what about the three guys sitting around the table or who are sitting there enjoying a beer with him around the campfire? Uh, well, you know, sucks to be them, but uh, we got to send that Hellfire missile in anyway because that's how it's done in other countries. So we got to look at not only the, the immediate uh, response or the immediate uh, effect that we want, which is how do you stop these absolutely animalistic rioters from going out there and victimizing people, but don't take government off its leash and say, you do whatever you have to do, because as sure as you do, that power will be turned against people like you and me when we disagree with some government policy. We don't have to be violent like Antifa. All we have to do is be designated as an enemy of the state by someone in that national security apparatus. It's a very dangerous place to go. Don't let that dog off the leash. Not even for Antifa. I know it's tempting. It angers me to see the things that they're doing. To see, you know, I, I mean, I, like I say, I watched way too many videos on Twitter over the weekend. And when I see stuff like an elderly woman coming out of a shop where they're breaking the windows and, and trying to, to loot what she and her husband have, and they start attacking her beating her with a board and her elderly husband steps out leave my wife alone and they attack him that doesn't uh, that does not put me in a good place that does not bring you know feelings of compassion or empathy towards uh, at least the the people who ostensibly are out there rioting for justice it makes me wish that there was somebody with a shotgun close at hand who could just start emptying that thing into these thugs and I know that's that's not a very Christ-like way of looking at things, but it's I think this this is illustrating why now more than ever, you've got to be willing to take the responsibility for your own self-defense and protection. Government may mean well in some cases, but it's not going to be there for you in your moment of need. And that could have some very serious consequences. Just remember. You cannot be the one who instigates the violence. You cannot be the one who goes out there looking for trouble. The guy who showed up in Salt Lake City on on Saturday with a bow and arrow and was out there threatening protesters, and he actually tried to take a shot at him. They uh, took him down. They beat beat the crap out of him, turned his car over, burned it. I'm sure he meant well. He said he was just there to help the cops, but, you know, you can't lose that mantle of innocence. You can certainly defend yourself, and I think you should, but you cannot be like Antifa in order to beat them. We'll talk about this more coming up in the next hour. 